Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Of course, don't you think I planned for it too? To listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And this is another one of our revisited episodes where we revisit an episode we previously covered, but from a new perspective with a guest. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, we've got a special guest. We actually have our longtime patron who uh, always sends us just great questions and comments and everything, Lillian Grimes. Welcome, Lillian. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Not just sends us questions and good comments, but also uh, drew us, wrote us backstories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brought us to life in a new way. <laughs> that was really fun. I'm not going to lie. I locked myself in my room for multiple hours on end. It was like, this is just an escape from college. <laughs> yeah, if you missed it, um, Lillian drew and wrote some backstories for our Spider-Sonas, which um, we talked about on an AMA episode, I believe, uh, yeah. which was super cool. We were so excited. We were geeking out so hard, Lillian. <laughs> yeah. Well, I geek out all the time. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we gave you very little. And we were just like, I don't know, I'm a monster, I guess. And you're like, I'm going to take that and run with it and make yeah. this something really cool and interesting. It was, it was awesome. You gave me color awesome. schemes and basic, just color schemes and then basic power sets. And I was like, I have plans. <laughs> love it. Awesome. I love it. It's so cool. Well, so um, this this is this will be interesting because this is a uh, we're going to be talking about a spectacular Spider-Man episode, uh, which is the first time that we're revisiting spectacular Spider-Man since we finished the show. Not mm-hmm. that not that long ago, but it's been it's been like well like six months or something. Um, so it'll be fun to to revisit this episode with uh with uh, some renewed eyes. But I guess for you, Lillian, um, just to get to know you a little bit. What's kind of your general familiarity and background with with Spider-Man in general and also the Spectacular Spider-Man show specifically? Well, with Spider-Man in general, it was really funny because um, I actually watched Spider-Man 2, uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2, first. Yes. And that was my first exposure to Spider-Man ever. And that was the only one that we owned. And my mom was like, I think you're really going to like this. I think this is going to be something you're going to fixate on. And so she just turned it on. And then that was the beginning. That was my Spider-Man origin. That's amazing. And then it's really funny because then after that, I wanted the comics. And so I asked for Spider-Man comics for Christmas. And my aunt got me the second Spider-Man comic (laughs) for Christmas. (laughs) So, so no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't start at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Drove me absolutely bonkers. 
<laughs> so funny. Well, I mean, at least Spider-Man Two is a it's a good it is a good movie to start with, but it also is like picking up from stuff from the first one directly. The credits so were like, very a... important to me. <laughs> <laughs> I relied heavily on those on those credits. Amazing. <laughs> and then with Spectacular, I actually was introduced to it by your podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I, I had never that. heard of it. I'd never watched any of it. My only exposure was the uh, 1981 Spider-Man. That was the only one I'd ever seen. Oh my gosh, Lillian, you and I experienced Spectacular Spider-Man together for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, I was very excited. And I actually did not have the series. I didn't own the series for when you were covering the first season. So I was just listening to the, the podcast and I was not watching along with it until season two when I had both of them. Oh, you know what? You're the perfect person to ask then. Did everything make sense based on just what we were talking about? Yes, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> That's so awesome to hear. That's so that cool. Fascinating. And like, then, uh, <laughs> Spectacular actually was, I'm a person who comfort binges shows when I'm stressed out. Sure. And um, I don't know if that's normal, but if it's not, neither am I. So it checks out. <laughs> So sorry to severely date this episode, but when COVID first hit, it was actually my main comfort binge show. It's a good one. So I watched both seasons repeatedly and my sister got really sick of hearing the theme (laughs) over and over again in the common area of the house. (laughs) It became a bit of a problem. She probably had the song stuck in her head most of the time because I feel like it's impossible with that theme song to not. Yeah, that to song not is a song. banger. It's the best Spider-Man theme, and no one will ever convince me otherwise. <laughs> I would would not disagree with that, to be honest. <laughs> I was just thrilled to have a Spider-Man theme that had lyrics. Yeah, yeah, that's legit. I like to sing, and so I was just like, finally, one that actually has words other than spider blood, spider blood, radioactive <laughs> spider blood. <laughs> yeah yeah so okay if lillian if if um if 1981 was your your only sort of cartoon exposure prior to uh spectacular or just prior to picking up our podcast um it was the only one i had uh prior to spectacular that was okay it. have you watched any others since yes i've watched all the ones that you've covered oh my gosh that's so cool <laughs> lillian i'm like my heart is so full right now lillian <laughs> i was like now i your podcast was the gateway for me to find all of the ones that I wanted to watch. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> so I just took all of the suggestions and I was like, I'm going to watch all of these now. Nice. Nice. It. And that's so funny too, because there's still so much of it out there that we haven't even touched <laughs> to, to oh, discover. Yeah. So that's so <laughs> exciting. Oh my God. And I've already <laughs> watched all of the 2017 repeatedly. Oh man. Point. you're So I'm ahead of you there. You're way ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I was the wa- moment where I realized Otto Octavius is definitely autistic and I was very excited. Yeah, that was, you know, Lillian, one of the reasons we appreciate you so much, and we've said this, is because you offer us perspectives that we don't necessarily have on the show and are like willing to share them. And I really appreciate that. Um, because that was something I hadn't thought about. And so it was it was cool to sort of like see it uh from a different perspective for sure so um i'm excited to talk about this episode because we haven't talked about we haven't revisited spectacular and we haven't revisited it with you and there are some there's you know some characters like otto in this series still autistic in this one he's still autistic you know you like since since you introduced that idea to me it's hard not to sort of at least consider that perspective anytime we're introduced to a new otto now 
And I, I appreciate that like new lens to look through. I think that is, is very cool. <laughs> That's so awesome. I didn't yeah. realize it had impacted your view that much. Yeah. Well, I think it was, I think it was a, uh, it was a really valuable insight, you know, that we had, we hadn't discussed on the podcast. So yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Just when you were talking about how flat his voice was and all of that and mm-hmm. how you didn't like it that much, I was like, I have a lot of autistic friends who talk that way. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was important for me to hear that for sure. So I just suddenly, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I have insight here. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause that's, I don't know if that's something that like, I know for me, I don't think I would have necessarily picked up on. I don't know where the 2017 shows goes beyond what we've seen. So maybe it like feels more explicit or something like that later on down the line. But at least the fact that I think that, you know, you had, you brought that to our attention early on, I think was really helpful because that's a thing that we can kind of keep in the back of our heads once we get back to that show and get further into it. Mm-hmm. Cause I know that he's a bigger character in it as it goes along. We just haven't gotten there yet. And I think that's seeing it through that lens is going to be incredibly fascinating. And I think like probably a more rich experience than if we hadn't, which is why, like Doug said, I'm like so glad that you kind of brought that to us and why we like encourage people to, to present those sort of alternate interpretations to us because if you have experience with those types of things that we don't, that's going to help us, you know, understand things better. It's yeah. it's all really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually why I was interested in covering this episode specifically is because he does, Otto does some things in this episode that seem really explicitly autistic to me. And so I was just like, this is the one that really showcases what I'm seeing in this version of Otto that seems yeah. neurodivergent to me. Okay, cool. I'm I'm excited to just get right into it then. So I'm going to tell you listeners, if you didn't notice it in the title, um, we are revisiting <laughs> The Spectacular Spider-Man Season 2, Episode 3, entitled Reinforcement. Um, we talked about this uh, back in our episode number 61. If you haven't seen the episode or want to check it out, just like it was when we were last covering this, Spectacular Spider-Man isn't really available anywhere for streaming. You can buy it on DVD. You can probably purchase it digitally as well. But obviously, we all rep Spectacular Spider-Man, so you should just watch it if you haven't seen it before. <laughs> Either way. Yeah, so I'm I'm really yeah, I'm really interested to kind of dive into this because you all kind of approached us with with this as being one of your, like you said, one of the episodes that you you had some thoughts on. And I guess to just kind of kick off that conversation, we can start with Otto, I guess, because I think that sort of seems like to be the center of, of, of what we're focusing on right now. What's sort of your perspective on Otto in this episode? Well, in this particular episode, he's obviously under a lot of pressure to act and be a certain way, uh, to appear a certain way to people. And so a lot of times autistic people will show their autistic traits a lot more when they are under pressure to act or behave a certain way. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of the things showed up in this episode that did. Like his lack of eye contact a lot of the time. And there's uh, some examples of stimming and things like that. So I was just really fascinated by his portrayal in this particular episode. Sure. Could you elaborate on stimming a little bit? Oh, yeah. Stimming is a shortening for self-stimulation. And it's like when an autistic person, sometimes people with ADHD will do these things. People with Asperger's, I have Asperger's syndrome. We will do things to um, stimulate our brains or our bodies when we're bored or if we're upset it'll give us something to focus on and ground us so that could be making a repetitive noise 
or uh, repetitive hand motions. I know a lot of mine, I will flap my hands sometimes or rub a piece of fabric, something like that. And it Mm -hmm. gives us something to focus on that's not distressing or Mm -hmm. just something simple to kind of reroute what we're focusing on. So I noticed a lot of that with Otto. That's that's interesting. And I feel like I can see instances even outside of this episode when when he exhibits some of those traits, especially like pre becoming Dr. Octopus. Like, I feel like you would see him exhibiting some of those sometimes. Um, yeah, general. he does something with his hands a lot that I was very excited to see carried over into multiple episodes because that's definitely what that was. And I was yeah. like, he's one of us. what are some of the what are some of the things that you notice in him that other folks might not necessarily notice or identify as something significant like you mentioned the the lack of eye contact yeah lack of eye contact a lot of times uh people with autism or asperger's have a lot of trouble with eye contact because uh, eye contact with another person it's like a lot of sensory input Mm -hmm. and so it can be really overwhelming for them, for me, I had a lot of trouble with eye contact for a lot of my life. And then in true neurodiverse fashion, I overcorrected and now I have a problem with staring. <laughs> <laughs> so now that's my issue. Um, so a lot of uh, autistic folks and people with Asperger's have issues with either way too little eye contact or way too much eye contact. They just they, It's hard to find a happy medium because mm-hmm. your brain wants to go either all one way or all the other. And so Otto, like he has a really hard time with eye contact, which a lot of people might just think he's insecure, which I think is also true. But it could also be that it's really uh, not just intimidating, but just overwhelming to look somebody in the eyes. Yeah. yeah. And then he does motions with his hands where he will uh, squeeze his fist with his other hand and kind of alternate which hand is in a fist and which hand is squeezing in kind of a rhythmic yeah. way. And uh, I do something similar to that. And so I was just like, that's one of my stems. And I was very excited to see that. And uh, his voice is typically kind of monotone. And that carries over into multiple Spider-Man properties. That's always been a thing that I've noticed. And so here, that also is the case. So I was uh, very excited to see all those things. That is so, yeah, that, that, that's really, that's, that's really cool. And that's really interesting. And it, and it is, it is funny. Cause like when you p- sort of point out some of those things, yeah. When I think about other, other auto iterations and other versions, like, yeah, it's like some of the traits that do carry over are, are those same traits, like in the way that he speaks, like you said. And like a lot of that is like, you know, if you're, if you're not really watching through that lens, you just chalk it up to just being like, oh, I guess they're just, you know, trying to perform it in the way that like they think a sci- like a scientist would talk or something like that. But it's yeah. like, or maybe they're actually pulling it from something real life. And even if maybe the writers aren't intentionally doing it, they probably have met people that have that way of speaking that are on the spectrum and they just sort of like internalize that and apply that to the to either the performances or the way they write the character or something like that yeah because Otto, i also noticed he speaks really formally a lot of the time there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of use of contractions or casual speech and that's really common i also do that Mm -hmm. like he does that no matter who he's talking to and probably over the course of this episode you'll notice me doing that (laughs) and the reason that a lot of people like us will do that is that our brains have a really difficult time switching gears between social situations so we memorize one pattern of speech that works in multiple scenarios 
So it's just something that will cover multiple scenarios without offending anyone. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of autistic people will just memorize that because it's a way that they can not exactly fly under the radar, but just avoid upsetting anyone or they think it will keep them. Like we, we think that it'll uh, keep people from uh, paying a lot of attention to us, but it doesn't usually work. <laughs> <laughs> then people are just like, why are you talking to me like I'm your professor? <laughs> and in the case of 2017, he is a professor. Exactly. <laughs> then he talks to his students with no contractions and talks to them like they're the teacher, just super condescending. <laughs> That's actually something that does pretty much carry over, I think, in like almost all of our Doc Ock depictions so far, at least yeah. all of our auto ones. I don't know that Olivia has has exactly the same behavioral characteristics, but like all of our autos kind of have at least at the very least um, a similar way of speaking. Yeah. Olivia doesn't have as many, but uh, autism oftentimes does look different and is often uh, a lot less apparent or a lot less readily apparent in girls than mm-hmm. it is in guys. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe in, uh, maybe in the sequel we'll get an <laughs> autistic Olivia and then I will be absolutely thrilled. Yeah. I'll take any more Olivia, but if we get, you know, if we get like uh, an Olivia that resonates specifically, uh, that would be even better. (laughs) If we get an Olivia who stems, I'm going to have to actually leave the theater and stem myself and then go back in. (laughs) I'm going to have to go out and do some vocal stems and then come back in and finish the movie. (laughs) So I don't disturb the audience. Yeah. Oh man. That's yeah. That's it's so interesting, and it's and it's funny too because this particular episode, Otto's not in it a lot. So I think it's 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 really cool to be able to to see all of that um, in such a such you know a short period of time. Granted, you know we, he appears in a lot of episodes of Spectacular Spider-Man outside of just this one, but even I guess it's kind of heightened in this episode because I guess like the 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 weirder context for it is that he's like faking not being dr octopus but the way that he's faking it is by sort of heightening how he was before he became dr octopus which is still exhibiting some of the same characteristics that he was in real life naturally anyway so like it's still the same you know i guess yeah (laughs) and there's actually a name for that where a lot of times people with autism when they want to seem quote-unquote normal and i hate using that word sure sure But when they are trying to seem like everybody else, they will do something called masking, Mm -hmm. where they will mimic traits that they've seen in people who are not autistic. And so he's kind of doing a similar thing where he's mimicking traits that he remembers having before he was Dr. Dr. Octopus. See, that's I'm so glad that you that you can offer some insight on that, because I think one of the things that we we sort of kind of touched on the setting and some of the ways that the characters were portrayed in this episode because it was presented in the context of therapy, but we didn't really get into it too much. But I think if you were to dive, you know, deeply into it, somebody who's less familiar, like, like we are um, with these specific characters and their behaviors and what it might indicate about who they are. I think it would be really easy for me at least to be like, well, this feels like it's problematic. It feels like he's just pretending to be something or playing along with um, whatever. But it sounds like it actually is just sort of a natural thing that he might have been doing outside of the fact that he's pretending not to be Doc Ock in that moment. Yeah, it's like he's regressing back to when he was just uh, Otto Octavius and then going further in that direction. 
Yeah. You know what? He's taking it even further backward. Yeah. You know what I think of also, and this is outside of this particular episode, um, but we've all watched all of Spectacular at this point. Um, (laughs) We, we, we frequently were like endeared to and also entertained by and poked a little bit of fun at Otto when he was being sort of like formal with the, the like other crime lords and stuff, because so much of what he was doing seemed performative. But that again, I mean, this, this, again, this lens offers even more sort of context and nuance to that outside of just like he's trying to impress, you know? Yeah, he's not just trying to impress. He's trying to uh, blend in. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to seem like everybody else and he's overdoing it, which yeah. I mean, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. I've done the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, sir. Yeah. Oh, Otto. I love Otto. <laughs> I just want to give him a hug and tell yes! him everything's going to be fine. Yes. But he might not like that because he's autistic. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Because I'm I'm a I'm an autistic hugger. Ah. Um, some some people with autism don't like hugs, and then I'm yeah. an autistic person who likes hugs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we have different needs, and I feel like he's probably one who doesn't want to be touched. Well, luckily he has, especially in this show, arms that can keep you as far away as possible. <laughs> His arms in these... this show are just wild. They're yeah. so long. <laughs> They have no limits. Yeah, they really don't. I just really want to know how far, how far can they go? <laughs> the limits what are not they exist. made out of? How far can they go? Yeah, yeah. Where's the joints? Actually, you know, one thing we never really explored because we, we've only talked about this show thus far in the order that the episodes aired without ever going backwards too much. I mean, obviously we would bring things up as they were revealed, but I'm realizing one thing we never talked about was the fact that I don't think we talked about it was the fact that Otto was he controlling his arms remotely or were they were they programmed to come get him? Did we ever really talk about that, Derek? Uh, I don't re- in this at the end of this episode, which is what you're talking about, right? When right. They come and abduct him. Yeah, because different remember. versions of Doc Ock would explain it different ways. Some would say that he can just control it remotely with his mind but then some don't adhere to that just depending on where where he is what version all that sort of stuff and i don't know if this one really i don't think spectacular addresses that i don't think he did but the next episode is when he has the technology to like send signals and control like all of technology in the world basically or is oh, attempting to yeah. do that so he probably has a, a miniature version of that for his arms at the end of this episode either that or i mean tinker could be doing it yeah, that's true. Could literally good, just have a, a remote control. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, and he would probably look super bored while doing it. <laughs> the man's facial facial expressions never change. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's a good point. There there are so many characters in this one episode alone. Obviously, we started with Otto, and I'm sure we'll revisit Otto because I could talk about Otto forever. Sure. Um, but given that we have like eight villains in this episode um, and the entire cast of Spectacular, and we're talking to you, Lillian, for the first time about this show, what other characters, either from the regular cast, from the villain cast, uh, guest cast, like who else Who else uh, are your faves? Who else resonates with you? Let's see. Well, I always am a fan of Rhino in this show. Just because <laughs> everything he does is just so simple, and that just makes it even funnier. <laughs> so like, for instance, in this episode where he steps onto the ice and all he has to say is, I hate you so much. I love that moment. 
it's one, it's of, like my one of my favorite lines yep. in the whole thing closely oh, yeah. followed by peter's yikes lock your chimneys folks yep. <laughs> that's also definitely up there yeah oh yeah this episode has a lot of good stuff in it like individual like jokes and moments that i just forgot were all from this episode you know like it has sandman like i've had bad experiences with cats oh my gosh (laughs) i laughed way i laughed entirely too hard at that line because i could relate to it so much (laughs) my family's owned a lot of cats (laughs) they can't all be winners Yep. Yep. (laughs) I love Sandman and Rhino's friendship in this episode in particular, where they're just trading puns. And when uh, when Rhino makes a joke, and then Sandman says, "Hey, that's smart. That's clever, even for you." (laughs) It's so cute. Yeah, I love that they're paired up together. Um, I loved it just as much this time as I did the first time because it's just. You know, they're just like two bruisers and they just like they speak the same sort of uh, language uh, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, they're just yep. like, let's find the two biggest villains and just put them together. Yeah. <laughs> the two most like literally sizable villains and make them friends. Yep. <laughs> and I'm here for it. Me too. Mm, 100%. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it's, it's funny, Derek, you mentioned like you forgot how many how many like jokes uh and, and and little moments come from this episode i was <laughs> i was like laughing to myself cuz i feel like unfortunately yep. one of the greatest legacies of this episode on our show is yep. that darn cgi christmas tree <laughs> yep i hated that tree too so i was right there with you <laughs> It was just the worst. We need to like pull new references from the show to live longer than that of the CGI Christmas tree. Oh my gosh. Uh, Honestly, though, I was more disturbed by Liz's attempts to make Flash feel better about his leg being broken than I was by the CGI Christmas tree. Like by the time the CGI Christmas tree came up, I was still just obsessing over how badly Liz handled that. Oh, yeah. Tell us more. She makes this comment about Flash's leg, like, being good as new and college scouts busting down his door. And my only thought through that entire scene is just, I don't think Liz comprehends how physical therapy works. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really think she understands the time and effort it takes and that it might not turn out to be all sunshine and roses. Oh, yeah. And Flash is, like, trying to explain to her, like, that's not how it works. And then Peter has to come in and interrupt them before he can explain to Liz how physical therapy operates. That whole scene was just very frustrating to me. His leg is literally (laughs) still in a cast. And it's above the knee. Like, it's it's a cast that's above the knee. Yeah, yeah. That means there's serious damage. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we I think we touched on that a little bit, but like Flash's Flash's injury in this in this series is really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've had broken I've had broken wrists multiple times in my life, and it takes a while to come mm-hmm. back from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like your like whatever appendage is in that cast is going to come out looking absolutely tiny, and you're going <laughs> to have to do stuff to make it not look that way. Yep. Yeah, and it's going to take a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and this show doesn't shy away from having him in the cast like the entire season. So it's <laughs> clearly even in cartoon world, it is taking a realistic amount of time to heal. So Yeah, and then they have him try and walk out on the ice with his freaking crutches. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, that that was that was so much. But I but but it's also Flash, so it like somehow makes perfect sense. <laughs> Oh my god, it makes so much sense. I just also just want to I actually did like yell at the screen like what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Uh, Flash Thompson, why are you like this? Like, I hardly ever ask like I make it a policy not to ask the question what's wrong with you and I still ask what is wrong with you. <laughs> Flash In my is such line a of work you don't ask that question. Sure, and and it makes perfect sense. Flash is just such a like complicated, uh, performative teenage boy, though. That sometimes it, it's hard not to. You know what I mean? It's hard not to be like, "What are you doing right now? Like, yeah. what are you trying to communicate? What are you not communicating? Like, what is happening, Flash Thompson?" <laughs> and as a girl, like as as a young woman, it's even harder for me watching it to be like, "How can I rationalize this? <laughs> how can I how can I make it so that this is a smart thing?" doing <laughs> not possible. many times it's just not <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh. <laughs> oh man <laughs> they do nail that though the show really does nail that sort of like kind of just uh absurd unexplainable teenage boyness uh through peter through flash yeah. um through F- kenny kong <laughs> oh my gosh what a slushy Uh, yep he does make one of the best puns in my opinion in the entire uh episode which one is that nice (laughs) nice triple klutz will always be like one of my favorite puns (laughs) in the whole episode that's a good one yeah that's a good one it happens in a very kenny is trash moment but at least like yeah he gets a good he gets a good witty jab in (laughs) every every moment with kenny is a kenny is trash moment yes that's just that's just my two cents I agree. Just every moment that Kenny is on screen is a Kenny is trash moment. Uh-huh. Fully. All agree. the time. <laughs> yep. He's never not trash. He will never not be trash. Yeah. We'll <laughs> never get to know him any other way. I have no, I had no hope. Like even if there had been a third season, I think he would still be trash. He just might be <laughs> trash in more developed ways. <laughs> More developed trash. I love it. They just might find more ways. Just they might expand on new ways to make him trash. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny because I feel like we tended to be like hopeful about all the characters, but even Kenny, like, I think we were like, may, you know, may, may, maybe, maybe someday. <laughs> it's like they're given the redemption arc and the growth for Flash. They have to have at least one of the bullies still just be a jerk. Like they can't have everybody become a good person by the end. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm one of the most relentlessly optimistic people I know and I still had no hope for him. Yeah. I couldn't I just couldn't make that happen in my brain. It's hard yeah. in this show. Kenny Kenny doesn't get a ton of focus, so there wasn't much room for it, so everything he does just ends up being kind of uh uh unfortunate <laughs> unfortunate stupid or just trash yeah yeah there's three there's three schools of thought for kenny <laughs> yep, yep none of them are good <laughs> there were just honestly a lot of unfortunate things happening on the ice in that scene yep. yeah that all made me nervous yep 
Like the yeah. thing, the whole thing between Peter and MJ, I just don't. Yeah, yeah. There's I a have lot. So many problems with that. There's a lot of Peter girl trouble stuff in this episode that, like, especially in a vacuum when you're just picking this one episode out, it's like Peter doesn't come out looking very good, and it's all very uncomfortable, which is the point of it, of all of it. But it's still. This is like one of Peter's like lowest points in the season, I think. One of, uh, yeah. in terms of how he deals with all of the uh, all of the women in his life, unfortunately. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I noticed in the episode originally covering this, you guys were impressed by how MJ handled uh, Peter being gross, just a gross <laughs> teenage boy, uh-huh. <laughs> snapping her finger impressed. in his face. <laughs> I was not impressed. I didn't like it. Because instead of just le- instead of just removing herself from the situation or just being like, I'm not here for that. She's like, oh, I'll be here for your creepiness if we have hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, I think that's what? fair. Yeah, upon revisiting it, Lillian, I'm glad you said that because I like what I what I still like about it is the fact that she's willing to be like, hey, buddy, I see what's going on. Stop it. Stop doing the thing you're doing. This is what's getting you in trouble. But yeah, when you pay attention to how the interaction ends, it's not great because if she sees what's going on and he's saying literally the things he's saying out loud to her, like there should be a point at which she's like, "Okay, this is a lost cause, at least in this moment. So like (laughs) you're on your own for the time being, bucko. Yeah. And also, like, she deserves to have more self-respect than that, to, than to just deal with that. Like, oh, yeah, I'll put up with this if you do this for me. No, don't put up with it at all because you yeah. don't you don't deserve that. Get yourself out of there. I think that that's a I think that's a really fair assessment of it because it, it does like, yeah, I, I when you're re- kind of revisiting it, it comes across less like it's something in character for MJ and more like a writery like well we always want to keep the possibility of the mj peter future ship open so we can't have her be too grossed up we always got to have that little bit of spark that maybe she's interested in him and it's like she can be but not when he's being a gross little little weirdo like yeah, yeah. No, shut that down <laughs> yep. yeah shut that yeah. down lady if it were me and i saw a guy my age staring at me the way he was staring at her in that in that scene, I would be out of there so fast, and I would yeah. have to restrain myself from slapping the man. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's I'd, have to be, I'd have to start stimming to keep myself from slapping someone. <laughs> be like, I'm I'm rubbing my hands together because I'm trying to keep them to myself. <laughs> right, like it's it's frustrating. I think because the show is often good about showing the consequences for Peter being bad at dealing with other people. But this particular, and, and this, and you know, this episode, obviously like it doesn't end with him having repaired any of his relationships, but moments like this don't have any consequences. It is a good consequence. Cause MJ is still like, okay with hanging out with him just in spite of it. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a misstep for, uh, for this show. At yeah. least he got burned with Coco. True. I was, I was Twice. Malicious, I was maliciously pleased by that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Derek said, this is definitely like uh, a lower, lower if not lowest point for Peter in this particular realm. He does not does not come across looking good, especially if you were to just pluck this episode out and watch it. Yeah. And when MJ literally has to explain to him why Gwen is upset with him, yeah, it's like you. That's not on you, girl. You can just leave. Like you don't have to explain to him why he sucks. Just let him figure it out. He'll figure it out. 
I think she probably realized that she's like, he's not going to figure this out, is he? <laughs> I mean, well, even in that situation, I, I have a lot of grace for people. And if I figured out that, I'd just be like, all right, I'm just going to get Gwen out of this situation. I'm not going to try and teach him to be a better person. I'm going to try and teach her to find better people. That's yeah. very fair. <laughs> I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> Gwen definitely deserves better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is one of the most unfortunate things about this show being sort of cut off before it had the chance to like finish out all these stories because they were slow burning so many things that you just end up with some of these interactions where you're like, I really wish I had seen, you know, more of something or how these things developed or whatever the case may be, because you just end up with like these things that you're like, oh, man, given that I, we get nothing else. I kind of just wish, like you said, Lillian, like he could have deserved a slap and I don't think I would have been mad. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Oh my gosh. And like, she wouldn't even have to slap him. She could just like imply that she's having to hold back from doing something. Of course. Yeah. Like she doesn't even seem mad. You can seem annoyed. Like girl, you yeah. can be annoyed. This is an annoying situation. Yeah. yeah. I think that's sort of the thing about MJ that makes this particular interaction not feel as um like you can tell it's gross you can tell peter's being a weirdo that peter's being like inappropriate you're supposed to feel that but i think it doesn't initially feel as bad because mj throughout the whole series is sort of portrayed as this like constantly confident constantly socially um like equipped like kind of like has the best social stat in the room situation and so you sort of just give the situation the benefit of the doubt and say like oh well she's fine but it doesn't change the fact like you're saying lily and that like peter's still being gross and that he probably just deserves her walking away <laughs> like she's she's probably fine she probably like like has the social like uh stat to to you know operate however she wants in that moment um, but it uh, doesn't mean he deserves that. <laughs> I just want her to go. I just want her to go to the little stand with the hot cocoa, get two hot cocos, and then Peter gets all excited because he thinks they're ha- about to have hot cocoa together, and then she drinks both of them and leaves. Or yes. better yet, gets one for Gwen, and they <sighs> hang out. <laughs> yes, and then she teaches Gwen about how to find better men because Peter <laughs> sucks. You know, we talked about we talked about how we hoped that Gwen talks to Peter the way that she does in this episode because she's been hanging out with Mary Jane. So I fully I fully buy that. I want more of that. I would gladly take I think we talked about this at some point. Gladly would have taken at least one episode that would just focused on the women of of this series so that they weren't always sort of contextualized by Peter. I I would love more Mary Jane and Gwen. Uh, anything together you know we need that sleepover episode the That's sleepover episode exactly we need the slumber party episode <laughs> oh, exactly so it'll be so fun <laughs> i actually listened to the original episode covering uh this episode of spectacular mm-hmm. before i came on here so yep i <laughs> did to too. refresh my memory <laughs> and i also watched the episode again nice. yeah yeah, I did too. I'm glad I did too because yeah. what's funny is like when I was looking at which episode this was, initially I was like, you know, when it comes to Spectacular, there may be episodes I'll, – I'll still want to watch them, of course. But there may be episodes that we talked about so in-depth that I might not need to necessarily listen to our episode about it. But when I watched the episode, I was like, there is something that I remember being so impressed by with this episode. And I'm in the realm of it with regard to the pairing off of the Sinister Six and how he's defeating them. But for some reason, I like couldn't quite exactly – put the pieces back together 
of why, which was the theme of the episode and how it had so much to do with this like distraction focus and misdirection thing. Um, and so I'm so glad I re-listened to it because I was like, of course, that's what it, I couldn't stop talking about that um, when we were talking about this episode. That's that's why this episode impressed me so much. Yeah, except for Electra's really, really on the nose. Hey, Vulture, I don't. It looks like uh, Spider-Man's not too focused on us. <laughs> and I just kind of had to put my head in my hands for a minute because yeah. even for somebody who's super blunt because they have Asperger's, that was too blunt. <laughs> even, even for me, that was too on the nose. <laughs> Electro is fascinating in this series. I, I would I would happily see much more of this Electro as well. Not because he's necessarily my favorite character, but I just think they could do so much with him because of how they chose to characterize him. I just wanted to see what would happen with Cletus because we just see him in a Santa hat and I yep. just wanted more. Yeah, no idea how this show would do it. <laughs> like in the in the therapy scene, like we only get the end of Cletus's therapy session. And I wanted that. I wanted that therapy session. Yeah. 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 I wanted that information in my brain. What was he sharing? Especially given that Dr. Kafka is not very good at her job, clearly. So if she's <laughs> got like a serial killer in her in her group therapy session, like what is she, how is she messing that up? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> And also it was just wild to me because as far as we know, none of the other people in that therapy group have killed anyone. As far yeah. as you know, yeah. So he's the only murderer in that group. Yeah. <laughs> Although that that is that is assuming that's part of why he's there, which is is the assumption we're making because we don't really know anything about him yet. But I do think it would be sort of weird for them to not for that not to be the case. I think it's like a safe assumption. Yeah. Um, but I, but all of that to say, yeah, I want so much more details on what their plans were for Cletus Cassidy. Um, I want to know what they were planning on doing with it, especially because Carnage isn't like my favorite but i feel like this show could have convinced me to care a lot more about carnage and cletus just based on the way that they tell stories yeah yeah i was also i was in the original comics he's clearly just a little southern boy and i'm a i'm a southern gal so when i first read the carnage comics i was just like okay this is the only (laughs) representation my state's getting not cool spider-man i was not i was not i was like okay we get the crazed serial killer with the venom symbiote thanks i appreciate it he was evil even before he had a symbiote and of course he's from my area of the country yeah i'm not impressed i have to imagine this show would have done something uh, that would have felt better, but uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I would hope that they wouldn't give him a really stereotypical Southern accent. Yeah, I would just hope and pray that that would not happen. <sighs> yeah, yeah, and I don't his know. name's Cletus, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear that name often, but when I do, they're from down here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Florida man. <laughs> Well, what's some other stuff about this episode that specifically jumped out to us? You told us uh, before the show that you're a note taker. So what are we what are we not touching on yet? There's one thing that bugged me so much and you didn't mention it. And I was just waiting for you to bring it up because it seemed like something that you guys would just pick apart. Ooh. Uh-oh. And Uh-oh. I was picking it apart the entire time. Yeah. 
and it just bugs me so much. And it's about any of the scenes where the master planner is talking to the Sinister Six before they know who he is. Uh huh. Why does he bother having any visual on the screen at all? Because it's just a really blurry silhouette. It's not even a clear silhouette. It's a really huh. blurry silhouette, and his voice is distorted. And it, to <laughs> me, it will never make sense to me because it's just like he was like, you know, what would be super cool? Facetiming my bros with just a silhouette <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, you can't even chalk it up to the drama, right? Because he's not a, an especially dramatic auto. Yeah, it's not even a sharp outline. If it was a sharp outline, I'd be like, okay, he's doing this for the drama because he's Octavius and everything <laughs> he does is extra. But now I, my headspace is just, you see, Otto, there's this thing called a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that has to take more work to have like a scrambled, a partially scrambled silhouette of you taking up like seven screens in your compound. Like he had to go out of his way to make that happen. Well, and logistically speaking, it would be so much easier to rely solely on audio anyway because of where he is currently residing at the hospital. Like he's yeah. he's pretending to be confined. Where's his camera? <laughs> exactly. Where's like, I, the camera? I get why they're doing it, like, f- like from the TV producer's standpoint of, like, the visual and sort of the, 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 the tone of everything. And, of course, they're doing the thing where, like, we're not supposed to know who he is. But, yeah, like, logistically, it, <laughs> once you know and once you think about the details, uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. And we definitely did not. We did not think about that at all. <laughs> Even dramatically, Tinker could have just put a logo, like I made a master planner logo and put it on the screen. Like, Please. didn't have to have any video whatsoever if you wanted to have some kind of visual. Or a cool waveform. Yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> I just That's want, so funny. Honestly, I just want the version of this scene where they're all just piled into an uncomfortably small conference room around a speakerphone. <laughs> That's what I want. I want Rhino and Sandman squished up together with a bunch of other villains listening intently to a scrambled phone on speaker. Yes. This is my next fan art request. A bunch (laughs) of Sinister Six crammed into a far too small conference room. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) That's such a beautiful visual. Classes are over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, After that's so my fun. summer college math class. Heck yeah. <laughs> After I'm done crying over college algebra, I will draw a bunch of villains around a conference table. <laughs> well, now I'm now I'm so curious. Are there other things that we th- this is I, I love this, Lillian, because because uh, because you did listen to our discussion <laughs> and are willing to tell us about it. Were there other things that we missed or other things that that felt either really important to you that didn't to us or vice versa? Let's see. Well, there's always the face of the episode. I was very surprised that your face of the episode (laughs) was not this one because there there was this really, there was a scene and it was more than one frame. So I was surprised because it was like a good (laughs) couple of seconds Uh and you guys didn't see it. Uh And it's just... It's it's during the fight between Spidey and Craven in the okay. hall. Craven's eyes are solid white, no no pupils, <laughs> no oh, irises, nothing for like at least four frames. Oh, that's so strange. I didn't even notice it this time around either. 
Yeah, I didn't. There's also there were some weird eye things in in this particular episode because there's huh. also a scene with Rand where he does not have whites of his eyes. What? <laughs> they color they colored him in wrong, and it's just oh, for a so split strange. second. And I had to rewind it, and I was like, wait. The man has brown irises now. <laughs> he's got he's got brown irises and brown whites of his eyes. Yeah, it's just very disconcerting. Huh? Everything in that area was suddenly brown, and I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> well, that's beautiful. We have some new faces of the episode. Then yeah. love that. <laughs> we'll find them. <laughs> I was very confused, and I was just like, "How? How did they miss this?" We totally whiffed it the first time around. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> so fix that. When Craven. When Catboy Craven has yeah. solid white eyes, I expect better from you two. <laughs> we'll do better, we promise. <laughs> it's your Catboy. You've got to be paying That's true. attention. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. I, I, wasn't, I was too distracted and not focusing on the right things, like the theme of the episode. Good I didn't grief. learn my lesson. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have do you have thoughts on Catboy Craven? It, I think it was uh it was uh Derek and I didn't disagree on too much on this show. There were a couple key things that I'm oh, sure yeah. we'll revisit eventually. <laughs> um but Catboy Craven was I think a light disagreement. Do you have thoughts on on Catboy Craven? I was not a fan. I didn't really like Craven you're going to hate me for this and you're going <laughs> to boot me off this guy this no, guy that's call. Okay. You're fine. Um, Craven has never been a character I'm super interested in, <laughs> which is kind of a hot take considering Craven's last hunt and Grim Hunt and whatnot. Yeah. But I've always been more of a Mysterio gal. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. totally here for that, though. Just any <laughs> version, any version of Mysterio and any version of uh, of Chameleon. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's any any version of those two where they can just mess with Spider-Man's mind, I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. Psychological it, torment, please. I think that's... Just I, torment him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all pretty welcome here. Because, like, we're... I think we're... I don't know, Derek, I shouldn't speak for you because you're definitely the bigger Craven fan than I am. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of times we're more interested in, like the idea of craven than yeah. like the actual usage of craven <laughs> yeah he, he's often boring in many things yeah. like craven is easy to get wrong i think it's just i yeah. like him i think when he's gotten right he's really 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 compelling and interesting but yeah i think the concept of craven yeah. is more interesting than most unfortunately yeah. most versions of him are pretty lame and boring <laughs> yeah yeah we we have gotten numerous cravens and numerous mysterios though um over the the shows that we've watched um and uh anybody who's a fan of mysterio is always very welcome here <laughs> yes the 90s mysterio is one of my favorite animated mysterios just because he's so extra he's oh my so gosh I right so i'm much. not a huge fan of how muscular they made him yeah, well, yeah. you know, and '90s animated show. show. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Adonis build. Yeah, I, I, uh, that's definitely uh, of the shows we've covered. I think that's probably my least favorite, aesthetically, largely for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like all the bodies look the same, and they're they're all like, if you translated that to real life, they would basically be like prime com- like competition build Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like that's how big those people are yeah. in that Even show. Doc. Either, Even Doc Ock, the which, worst Doc Ock. How dare they, right? Just the how worst dare they? Doc Ock. Imaginable. 
like even down to the haircut, they just <laughs> did nothing right with that talk box. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah, there were certain things that it was it was very okay to change and that we didn't need to keep from the traditional depiction, you know? And and that haircut is one of them. <laughs> the bowl cut was a thing that we could leave. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> He's still definitely autistic, though. Yeah. I have not yeah. encountered an Otto Octavius at this point who is not autistic. Yeah, I, I mean, I buy it. I buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything, I mean, everything that you've you've talked about with regards to Otto makes so much sense. You know what I mean? Like, and with, with that sort of information and perspective, like, I, you know, I just, it, it, I don't know. It just makes sense. Yeah. Even, like, did you notice that throughout the whole show, Otto doesn't really have a normal tone of voice. Like, all he has is really quiet. Or, like, screaming arachnid at the top of his lungs. And there's nothing in between. And I'm here yeah. for it. But that, that's a very common uh, thing with autism. I have issues with my uh, with my volume a lot. I have since I was a child. And when we were a kid, like, when I was a kid, my parents were like, she'll grow out of it. She's just a kid and kids are loud. And then it just never happened. And now I'm here. And I'm still loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. The two of us are very loud as well. So, again, very they welcome. They such hopes for me. And then I, I was like, nope, I still don't have an inside voice. But at least now I can tutor children. And they will pay attention to me because they can't not. <laughs> using your like, superpowers for good. A, it's like, I can't speak in a library. But gosh darn it, if I can't command some kids when I'm tutoring. Those kids Fantastic. will listen to me. <laughs> that that is a good observation with this auto specifically though that is very true of this auto yeah. you know like they, they yeah they they present him in one of two ways as as very quiet almost like almost the kind of quiet where you're like what auto what did you just say like please <laughs> say say that a little bit louder or yeah he's just screaming at spider-man yeah. <laughs> what's real really great is if he's like muttering when he's in his doc ock form and he's Mm -hmm. like muttering evil things under his breath and you have to turn up the volume a lot to be able to hear him and then all of a sudden he's screaming and then your uh (laughs) volume is on like 40 (laughs) and then you're just left kind of shell-shocked especially if you're me and you have sensory issues with sound because then this sweet little the sweet little boys just screamed (laughs) right in your eardrums Thanks, Otto. <laughs> Thanks, Otto. You've triggered my stems and my tics from Tourette syndrome. I appreciate it. Oh, A healthy Otto. dose of someone screaming arachnid and talking about how you're going to kill someone without actually saying kill because you can't do that. Yep. Our sweet boy, Otto. Uh, we still love you, Otto. <laughs> we Always. forgive you, Otto. I'm just going to have to rock back and forth on my heels for a little bit to get myself grounded and then I will continue loving you, Otto. (laughs) After I've managed to uncurl myself from the fetal position. Sure, of course. From the sheer shock of being screamed at from the television. Yes. Uh, Oh, man. Always here for so much Otto talk. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Like the whole point of this episode, and he barely—he only shows up at the beginning, technically the middle, with that stupid, stupid FaceTime call, and then at the very end, his presence is felt throughout it. That's what's. Oh yeah. Uh, Yes. Stupid, stupid FaceTime call. I almost started like kind of 
bumping my head against the wall that I'm currently sitting against out of exasperation. And, and then I realized it would get picked up in the recording. <laughs> Fun audio gag, I guess. Yeah. yeah just multiple thuds. And I'll feel like, sorry, I'm just giving myself a concussion out of pure exasperation with our cute little auto doing stupid, stupid things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, I'm not. I'm. I'm not mad about you know an episode that that largely discusses Otto Octavius ever. Of Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm just giving you an excuse to um, to fanboy over it. Right to revisit my favorite Otto thus far. Well, mm, Alfred Molina's Otto does still exist, so it's it's hard to say favorite. You know, <laughs> animated and favorite, even anime. favorite animated by far. <laughs> Yeah, even Alfred's was um, still hyper fixated on things and didn't understand symbolism. So I'm like, autism. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. still autists, just harder to see. <laughs> <laughs> so of course he married someone who could help him interpret all of these things. Yeah. Oh, just makes, totally sense. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then she died. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, oh my I'm gosh! Why'd you have to? Bring- Bring it down. Why don't you have to bring it down? <laughs> I don't have tissues nearby. You yeah. can't do this to me. <laughs> I need to watch that movie again. I recently watched the first Tony McGuire's uh, Spider-Man. I watch that one regularly. And I like to memorize things. That That's mm-hmm. a thing that I enjoy doing is I will mm-hmm. memorize movie scripts. So I have the entirety of Spider-Man 1 memorized. Oh, dang. That's so cool. <laughs> I love so, wow. So like one thing, my boy, my boyfriend enjoys like asking me at random times to recite the entire first monologue <laughs> in that movie. And then just sitting back and watching me gleefully just recite the whole thing. How could you not? There's so many good monologues in that movie. He's just reclined across the table from me while I'm just gleefully reciting, who am I? Are you sure you want to know? (laughs) Well, the story of my life is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. I'm so glad we're revisiting those too, because it's been so long since I've watched uh, a lot of those. Um, And so it's been such a nice thing to revisit those as well. And I'm so excited. We're going to be revisiting Otto (laughs) very, very soon. Yep. Him yeah. all his shirtless glory. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yes. There's actually, um, I tend to find mistakes in movies, and then I get all fixated on them, and I did find one in in, uh, in a Doc Ock scene in that movie. Yeah. Impossible. <laughs> you know the scene where he, like, puts the, like, the needles get put in? his back yeah in that one scene oh yeah well no one is standing behind him no one can see what's <laughs> happening and all of them gasp they can't oh see that they're, they don't they can't see the thousands of needles going directly into his spinal cord all they see is that he flinches slightly and they all like clearly know what's going on oh and no I, I just now you're got you guys are gonna have to suffer with me because yeah. i needed to get that out there and anyone who <laughs> listens to this is going to join the club oh my yeah. gosh join me in hell kids <laughs> <laughs> you're all down here with us now <laughs> every time i watch that movie i'm like screaming about that scene and then my sister's just like did you just get to the scene with the needles I'm of sorry, course. William. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I have a mistake I always notice in Spider-Man 2 that always bothers me 
And it's in it's that in a lot of scenes, Alfred Molina is wearing a shirt. And I think that that's a huge error on that movie's part. Yeah. I don't know how the wardrobe department got away with such a massive mistake. Yeah. Makes no sense. I mean, New York gets cold sometimes. (laughs) That's why he's got the trench coat. He gets cold sometimes. You don't want him to get hypothermia. (laughs) Do you want Alfred to die? No. (laughs) No. You want him to live forever, don't you? Let the man wear a shirt. This is true. I guess sometimes it is okay. (laughs) We all have to make sacrifices. I mean, if it keeps him alive longer. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm here for just the trench coat with the arms yeah, yeah. i just want yeah. that everywhere yeah yeah Best because luck. first of all that's really fun to draw <laughs> yeah <laughs> and second of all the trench coat's just cool yep. oh yeah cosine big time 100 percent. i've drawn a lot of <laughs> I, i've drawn a lot of doc ock art at this point <laughs> yes yeah i need to draw more doc ock art at this point yeah I drew one like at the beginning of the pandemic uh, that was inspired by the old like 60s comic called Unmasked by Dr. Octopus. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. I drew that scene. Oh, that's nice. so awesome. So I had I had a lot of fun with that one. It took days, though. <laughs> That's oh Lillian, that's so perfect because as I've been reading through those those comics, there are like specific panels that I'm like, oh, I want to paint that. And I first started having those those sort of like uh, moments of of like wanting to do that when in, like Doc Ock was introduced because there are some really cool panels um, in those 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 '60s comics that would look really cool on like a flat canvas. Oh, I bet. Yeah, especially. When they are underwater, like whenever he and Spidey are underwater, those panels are just gorgeous. I love those. Yeah. But I did, when I redrew the uh, Unmasked by Dr. Octopus, I redrew the panel where he's being um, unmasked so that you can see Doc Ock's whole body. Nice. Because I just wanted that. I wanted to see all of Doc Ock and also all of Spider-Man. Of course. I was very pleased (laughs) i was like we're gonna do a full panel this deserves a full panel oh that's awesome that's so cool (laughs) well are there other things about this episode that we that we haven't or even just spectacular spider-man to be honest this is the first time we've revisited it so um i don't know if there were things that that you that stood out to you in general it's a big big open question so you don't have to get into it but I liked that they uh, went more in depth with like how Peter communicates with people because like in the 90s show, it's literally just him harassing women yep. the yep. entire time. Yep. And as a woman, I was just like, I hate Peter now. Uh-huh. Like I just despise him like all the way through. And so it was very refreshing to actually see like he's still not great with the ladies, but at least someone's telling him he's not great with the ladies. Yeah. Right. And you can tell that the show really wanted that to be like a, a journey of growth and learning that he was on. I think that came through. So yeah. even when he's at his worst, you're like, OK, well, I'm supposed to feel like he's being a jerk right now. At least it's it's evident. I'm not supposed to be rooting for him in this moment. Yeah. Whereas like with the 90s show, I feel like they want you to be on his side all the time, yep. even when he's just awful, which I just can't get behind that. I think they just, in general, handle uh, the writing of women a lot better. Um, oh, yeah. Because they're they're not constantly doing stereotypically girly things, which I appreciate. As someone who hangs out in an oversized Marvel t-shirt and reads <laughs> comics a lot, um, 
I was just, uh, it was refreshing to not see Mary Jane uh, applying makeup while simultaneously talking to someone on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. For once. Yep. Yeah. The just 90s for show. Once because like, that's impossible. Like <laughs> applying, applying lipstick. You can't, you can't even, you can't put lip gloss on while you're talking on the phone. This is just lady wisdom. Okay. You can't, even, you can't do that. Your mouth has to be still. Even Mary Jane's not that good. <laughs> no, you can't be doing aerobics in a tiny little outfit. Oh that's no. painfully dated <laughs> while talking on the phone. Peter's yeah, th- just creepily spinning around on the ceiling fan. Yeah, the 90s show has like serious comic book energy, but but in like 1986, <laughs> like, yeah. as opposed to 1965 or whatever. And and Spectacular at least advances that, right? Like obviously it's still not it's not perfect, but like even just as a dude like I can tell, like okay, these women aren't all just the same character. <laughs> like yeah. they have agency. Like they're making decisions. They aren't all simply. I mean, they are pretty much all still contextualized by their relationship with Peter, but they all have agency within those relationships, which is different um, yeah. than a lot of other depictions. And they do often have <laughs> their own side stories that right. aren't related to Peter. Like, even though they're very minor and small in the con- yeah. broader context of the show, it's there, which is usually more than you can say for any iterations beforehand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really wish that we got more, like, backstory for Betty. In Spectacular is my only, like, major criticism of yeah. the ladies is I wanted more from Betty because all we get is just Peter quote unquote wearing her down. Yeah. And that's just hor that's just horrific. I don't yeah. it's just yeah. the worst thing he ever said in the entire series was I'm wearing her down. Yeah. yeah. That's never yeah. good. People can fight me on that, but that's the worst thing Peter has ever said. No, it's terrible. Like there's really there's never there's never it, it, it never never sits well, you know, like and it, it's it's one of those things that like makes watching like Steve Urkel so uncomfortable now because he says it so much. Yep. You're like, oh no, no, yeah. So it's yep. it's it's no better in Spider Man. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I just want to slap him repeatedly. In, yeah. In that scene, like I'm not a violent person, but my hands <laughs> are like curling into fists while watching yeah. him say, "I'm wearing her down." Gleefully, yeah. it's like you shouldn't have to wear her down <laughs> if this is meant to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like the Mary Jane thing in this episode, the show isn't really framing it as him as a bad thing either. Like it just kind of skips over that. It's just like, oh, yeah, isn't it a funny thing that Peter said or worse? Like, yeah, he's kind of right, isn't he? It's like if he said that and then Betty was like, excuse me, like, no. Or, you know, or he, you know, he he referenced that to someone else. And they're like, you can't just wear women down, Pete. That's not how this works. Like that would be that would be something. But it's just like, no, he says it and he believes it. And the show, I guess, wants you to root for him wearing this lady down. Like it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a big it's a big misstep from every angle. I mean, that's definitely what the audience like. That's that's fully how the audience was supposed to react when that was still not considered a hundred percent disgusting thing to say on television. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I, I just I'm typically that person who goes like and if it was a woman who said something like that like i don't typically say things like that but i Mm -hmm. think i get a bad feeling that if it had been the other way around and betty said she was wearing peter down we wouldn't be supposed to like that i feel like we wouldn't be supposed to be on her side there (laughs) 
Whereas Peter, I don't think in that particular situation, they were actively trying to make us dislike him. Mm -hmm. I agree. Isn't he just a stupid teenage boy? (laughs) Yes, and that's also gross. Yep. That's not an excuse. Like, he can be a teenage boy and that also be inexcusable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the hope, the hope, you know, because Peter, you know, Peter's our our protagonist most of the time. The hope is obviously that, like, you're taking what you're seeing and, one, interpreting it as either gross or inappropriate or not developed enough socially as it should be mm-hmm. um, or whatever the case may be, whatever the whatever Peter Parker we're talking about. And that you're uh, you're feeling it the right way and then applying it to yourself or that you're taking that with you. Uh, to your friend who acts that way or that you're you're able to point to it and say like hey child of mine do not be like peter parker in this moment be like Par- <laughs> peter parker in this other moment instead you know like that's the hope that's the hope <laughs> yeah. if i ever have sons if i ever have sons i'm gonna just get them to watch the 90s show and be like hey don't do any of these things nothing right. he does is fine yeah in this show don't be like him in this show over here be like him sometimes in this movie <laughs> be like miles <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't, don't, don't say the things about puberty. But other than that, just be Miles. <laughs> and don't you dare put your hand on that girl's shoulder. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Fantastic. And I did notice that uh, this was one of the few episodes where Otto does like stimming things when he's by himself oh like where he's not in front of people he's trying to impress or people he's trying to i guess placate yeah (laughs) where like when he's just in that group setting where they're quote-unquote accepting but it's kafka so expectations for how accepting it actually is (laughs) Um, he's just stimming and he's allowing himself to do that and it made me very happy because, like, for me, uh, a lot of times I don't stim in front of people uh, because you get a lot of weird looks. Sometimes people are rude. So a lot of times I'll have to modify mine in public so that they're not super noticeable because mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, aren't super educated on that kind of thing. So it made me very happy to uh, see auto stimming in multiple settings over the the course of the series and then in this one him stimming in like a smaller group yeah yeah instead that's of like stimming when he's trying to like when he's trying to make himself small it makes sense right. and then in this one he's not necessarily trying to make, make himself small he's just trying to make himself like everybody else <laughs> yeah i think that's an important detail actually i like that you pointed that out that it's something that he's doing even when he's alone or or in a smaller group or not necessarily presenting or placating mm-hmm. um i think that's that's a, an important detail like in the beginning he's doing it in front of norman osborne because he's trying to seem not threatening because he doesn't want norman to hurt him which that makes sense but when he's in a group where he's not trying to be anything except under the radar when he's stimming that's new and i like that yeah such a good episode. It's a good episode. I uh, I mean, we we liked it when we watched it. I think it was I think it was even one of those episodes that we were like, at least for me, I know for me, I definitely mm-hmm. watched it and was like, eh, that was fine. And then rewatched it and was like, wait, no, actually, that was really, really good. And then rewatching it again, I was like, yep, still really, really good. So yep. um, good, good episode to revisit. I would say good episode. 
to showcase what this show can do, minus the CGI Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> I think if somebody needed a sample of what the show is capable of, because they were a really hard sell, you could probably pick pieces of this episode pretty easily and sell them on it. In general, I think this is this is a really good one, especially because it showcases so many characters, both on the sort of regular teen drama side of things and on the villain side of things. Um, so overall, overall good stuff. And, you know, while not on screen a whole lot, uh, like like you said, Derek, uh, <laughs> Otto's presence is uh, ever present in this one. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff, uh, I would say. Lillian, I'm so glad that you were able to join us. Thank you so much for offering to come on and, and sharing your perspective with us and shedding, you know, more light on not just, you know, one version of Otto Octavius, but just Otto Octavius in general and how that kind of carries across in different different versions, especially because he's one of our faves. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this uh, is really fun. And I was like, all the way through the introduction, I have no shame in saying that I was like having to bite down on my knuckles to keep from making any excited noises. Because <laughs> I was hearing it in real time. Oh, that's like, so I'm sweet. Thank you. <laughs> that's so awesome. We appreciate that so much. <laughs> well, is there, I don't know if, if, if you have anything that you want to plug or places that, that you would like to be found online. If, if not, that's fine too. But just, just to ask uh, if you have anything you wanted to plug. Oh, I have no social media presence whatsoever. <laughs> that's so if you just happen to live in Alabama and you see a girl with short brown hair hanging out <laughs> and pushing somebody's wheelchair, that's probably me. <laughs> Come and say hi. Beautiful. <laughs> the old fashioned social media speaking with people. Tell me that the podcast sent you. <laughs> Love it. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Well, you know that we could talk about Doc Ock forever, but we're going to cut it off there because we've said so much tonight. And again, we are so thankful to Lillian for coming on today. If you would like more of Derek and I talking about all sorts of things, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We're talking about all sorts of stuff over there. You can also find us individually all over the place. Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you're working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my YouTube series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4A Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. I just like within the past week, started a monotype run in Pokemon, and I will be talking all about it on our next episode. If you like books or video games or both, you should check me out on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I talk about all the media we've been consuming lately. If you'd like more from Derek and me on podcasts, podcasting together, uh, you can check out our monthly podcast called Falling with Style. It's an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on WALL-E is out now with some fantastic guests, and you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all of that on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. You can also follow us all over the place at wallopingwebpod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to rate, review, and subscribe to us on any major podcast platform, that would be greatly helpful for other people to find our show. Next week, we're going to return to the world of anime with Marvel Future Avengers and its first Spider-Man-centric episode, the Rampaging Hulk. Oh. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. 
See you then. 